Do we need to keep the Sabbath that is on Saturday or Sunday? Should we be following and observing all the feasts? Should we be uh, wearing Jewish attire? Should we be eating according to the dietary laws as prescribed in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible? Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Messianic movement uh, again, in review, there's nothing in, inherently wrong with many of the teachings in the Messianic movement, but the Messianic movement does generally, one of the pitfalls that it is guilty of is sometimes it will error on the side of legalism, in some cases, very much legalism. This is Michael Bohm. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Michael Bohm of Youth Apologetics Training. Eleanor just had to speak into the microphone, and I thought I'd let her. She is so precious. Anyway, today we're talking about uh, this Messianic movement. Some people refer to it as the Hebrew Roots Movement. Uh, Last week we talked about uh, many of their common beliefs. And just in review... uh, Basically, the the focus of this movement, and like I said in the intro, there are so many different Messianic congregations, and uh, if you could count how many Messianic congregations there are in this on this planet, you will also find that there are that many different Messianic congregations. There's that many different opinions. Uh, there's so many different spins on a lot of this stuff. So I am painting with a broad brush. So if you're part of one of these movements, please take this with a grain of salt and, and realize that I'm speaking these things out of love. Uh, and also, you know, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming after you. I love you, and I, am, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm very concerned about biblical truth. And uh, that's what we're getting into in this program. In fact, that's what we're going to spend the whole time today looking at what the Bible says about a lot of these things. But in review, last time we talked about many of the common beliefs that you find in these circles. And overall, many of them want to, not all of them, but many of them want you to get back to your Jewish uh, roots. Um, And on the surface, that doesn't look bad at all. Uh, but what it looks like is uh, they will want you to start observing all the feasts. Some of them will go as far as to say you have to observe all the feasts that are prescribed in the Old Testament. Uh, conversely, um, any of the uh, quote-unquote pagan holidays that are celebrated here, for example, in the United States, and I'm sure around the world there's different holidays that you could tag as as pagan, uh, they utterly and completely and totally reject these holidays, or at least most of them do. Uh, and like I talked about in the last program, there is some validity to that. I mean, there's certainly some uh, pagan roots to um, a lot of the customs that 
you see attached to Christmas and Easter and, and Halloween, well, there's no argument there. That's pretty pagan. Um, so, yeah, and the Catholic influence that, uh, well, the, the Roman Catholic Church has had on many of these holidays. Um, you'll also see that many of these movements try to look uh, and dress and talk very Jewish or Hebraically, if you will. Uh, they'll wear things like yarmulkes on their head, the skull cap, tallits, tzitzits. Uh, you'll see them with prayer shawls, uh, um, uh, blowing shofars, these types of things. Talking about their beliefs, they uh, want you to worship on either Friday night or Saturday, the Sabbath, you know, the, the seventh day of the week, biblically. Uh, they expect you to uh, do your church and your Bible study on that day uh, and observe the Sabbath. You know, don't work, these types of things. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? Um, another thing is uh, many of them will want you and expect you to eat kosher. Uh, I keep saying kosher. It's not technically kosher. Uh, observing the dietary guidelines that you find in the Old Testament. You know, no pork. Uh, don't eat shellfish. Uh, many different animals. You know, you want to make sure that uh, you want to eat an animal that is splitting the hoof and chewing the cud. Anything that's outside of those guidelines is uh, off limits. Uh, these types of things. I don't want to get too in-depth there, but you get the gist of it. You, you've all met people who are part of this movement. And like I mentioned in, in the uh, previous podcast, I ran so long in this crowd because, again, the, the hyper-charismatic church that I was a part of uh, had a very strong messianic uh, um, uh, leaning to it as well that I ate... Co- there I go again. I ate <laughs> observing these dietary guidelines for so long that now my body rejects those types of foods. I love bacon, okay? I love crab legs, especially dipped in like garlic butter. Oh, yeah. But when I eat those types of foods now, my body gets pretty angry at me. It's like, what are you doing? This stuff is nasty. It's not good for you. Uh, and, you know, and I get an upset stomach. So I, I do avoid those foods. They're not good for you. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the subject here. Uh, these types of movements will strongly emphasize that you need to avoid these types of foods. Uh, there is a strong emphasis on reading the Torah, um, oftentimes at the expense of the rest of the Bible. Okay, um, you know, the, the, the New Testament, it's as if, it's as if the New Testament is not as inspired as the Torah. Um, it's interesting. And again, not all of the Messianic movements are the same. Some of them will reject certain bi uh, books of the New Testament. Uh, a common one to reject is Hebrews. Another common one is Galatians. Uh, some of these groups will reject Paul just altogether. Anything written by Paul is not canonical. It's not biblical. Uh, and then also you're going to find that uh, many of these groups um, I suppose not nearly as much as those that strongly emphasize uh, Saturday worship um, and uh, dietary guidelines, but many of them will get involved in one way or another with uh, Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism. Uh, I do plan on uh, recording a show on Kabbalah. In fact, I believe I'm going to have Jill Martin. Uh, that would be Dr. Walter Martin's daughter on. Uh, she co-wrote 
the book Kingdom of the Occult. I'm going to be talking to her about Kabbalah in the recent near future. I'm also going to be talking to another guest, Brian Harvey, on uh, the subject of Gnosticism, uh, which also fits in with the Kabbalah uh, quite well. But Kabbalah is, in a nutshell, it's mysticism and uh, witchcraft. Um, but that's not how it's seen in some of these circles. So anyway, all that to say, there is a strong emphasis in many of these groups, not all. I've met some amazing uh, Messianic believers, okay, uh, that really have their head on straight. They've got their doctrine in order, and uh, I love them to death. They're awesome people. Uh, But many of these uh, groups get heavily uh, deep into legalism, uh, it's very unfortunate. They will strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, just you know, like Jesus said. Uh, you'll find them just making the biggest deal about the littlest, forgive me, the dumbest things, and uh, completely missing out on weightier matters, things that really do matter to God. Uh, like the Bible says, uh, they're living uh, by the letter of the law and missing the spirit of the law completely. And totally. So uh, today we're going to dwell heavily into the scriptures. I mean, most of this podcast is going to be reading scriptures. Um, and we're not just going to be reading a quote here and a quote there. Some of this is going to be uh, entire chapters of the Bible because you really need to understand the background of what is being talked about to expound on it and really understand what's going on. Uh, The Bible covers this subject uh, probably more than any other counter-Christian movement out there, okay? Uh, During the New Testament days, during the book of Acts, uh, the Judaizers, uh, those who were Jewish believers, okay, who were Jews first and then came to believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah, uh, there was a sect of them that was pushing for all the Gentiles to basically assimilate, to become like Jews and to take up the whole of the law and to do, you know, all the things that the Jews are commanded to do in the Torah. Okay. And so we're going to look at many different instances where that's brought up and, and really dissect this, look at it closely because guys, isn't it? I mean, the scripture, what does God say about this? This is a pretty hot debate. Uh, nowadays, at least in the circles I'm running in and the stuff I'm seeing on Facebook, this stuff is getting hotter and hotter. There's uh, that movie that just came out. I think it's called The Lion's Roar or something like that. Uh, and, and I mean, these movements are springing up everywhere. And uh, But whatever the case, let's start off with this one. This is one that all of you have heard over and over and over. Uh, but, you know, in matters of legalism, it's dangerous to get involved with legalism and to expect your works to find you favor before God or, uh, uh, for that matter, to, to save you. Okay, yeah, I mean, there are blessings and there are cursings uh, involved with your works, right? Um, I mean, that's pretty clear from the scriptures. Uh, but uh, the legalism gets pushed really hard amongst these groups And I've known so many Messianic believers, and they're so caught up in legalism that they're miserable, absolutely miserable. And uh, to the world, um, from the outside looking in, their witness is an anti-witness. 
Uh, do you guys catch what I mean by that? Their witness is not just null and void. It is anti-witness. As in people see the way they walk, they see their life, and they don't want anything to do with their God. They're like, oh my goodness, you mean I have to uh, do all that? I have to dress like that? I have to act like that? I have to do all those strange things in order to gain favor with this God? And what kind of God would care about things like that? It, it, again, that's kind of their mode of thinking. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. All right, that's interesting. So we first we start off with, by, by grace you're saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. You can't boast. But then it goes on and starts talking about works. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Uh, uh, I once quoted that to a Messianic guy who immediately quoted the second verse, you know, verse 10 back to me, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. And that kind of caught me off guard. I thought, whoa, yeah, I've read that a million times, but I guess, wow, here we have by work, not by works, but by faith alone, and then the next verse, we're talking about works. And he sent me on a tailspin, uh, which was fantastic because it got me studying. I, I love it when people stump the chump because my mentality is, you stump me? Well, that means I'm going to spend the next couple days with my face buried in the Bible and on the internet seeking out and understanding, trying to understand uh, either why I'm wrong, because, hey, I'm wrong. I've, I've been wrong many times, <laughs> or why they're wrong and how I can better uh, understand my faith, defend my faith in the future, and also go back to the person and lovingly, hopefully, try to lead them in the right direction through the scriptures. So uh, on this journey, the very first thing that popped in my mind was this council that happened in Acts chapter 15. I brought this up in many podcasts in the past, uh, but there was this huge influx of Gentile believers that were moving into the early church. Uh, and what this did was you've got all these Jews who had accepted Christ as Messiah. They were still observing all of the, the living, uh, all the laws of the Old Testament, all the laws of the Torah, and yet were trusting in Christ for their salvation. And there was this confusion. And all these Gentiles start pouring into the church, these unclean Gentiles. They're uncircumcised. They eat all these unclean foods. Uh, you know, all these things. They're wearing garments that have many different types of material sewn into them. I mean, I'm, it, it, you got to understand from their perspective, this was a disaster. Okay. And so starting in verse 1, and certain men, which came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after, after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. All right, so right away, they're starting to put works with salvation. Okay, uh, you see that nowadays, uh, some churches will say, You have to be baptized in order to be saved. 
Whereas biblically speaking, you get baptized in response to the fact that Christ saved you. It is that outward sign of an inward change. It's, well, it's compared to circumcision. Uh, and so moving on, <clears throat> when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were coming to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there, here we go, but there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, and, check this out, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And isn't that what this debate's all about? Should us Gentiles, these us Gentile believers, should we be also keeping all of the law of Moses? And so going on to verse 6, And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, Ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Amen. All right, check that out. Right away, uh, these uncircumcised Gentiles, these filthy, unclean, eating Gentiles. The Lord showed us mercy and grace, reached out to us, gave us the gospel. These guys got saved. They received the Holy Ghost. They weren't circumcised, but they received the Holy Ghost, which is a promise. It is a, is a guarantee of that interchange, the salvation and so uh, God put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Verse 10, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Okay? I mean, it's tough. It's really hard. And so verse 11, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they then all the multitude kept silent and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answering, saying, answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out, to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets. As it is written, after this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them 
which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Stop right there. Stop right there. This, okay, if God wanted us Gentiles to follow all of Moses' laws, um, James, speaking by the Holy Spirit, he would not have said this. This would not have happened. This is in the scriptures, guys. Uh, Again, known unto God, all his works. Okay, wherefore my sentence is, that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Hmm. Oh, okay. Wow. There's kind of a mixed message there. Uh, abstain from pollutions of idols. Yeah, makes sense. That's, uh, and that stands. That absolutely stands. From fornication, yeah. Um, if you're outside of marriage and you're having sex, that's by definition fornication, uh, and you need to repent. Um, absolutely, you need to repent and turn back to God. That is a sin, uh, and it is a serious sin. Okay, uh, and then it goes on though. What is this? From things strangled and from blood? Hmm, that's interesting, guys. Seriously, um, we'll 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 come back to that later. Okay, let's just put that one on the shelf for a moment. So verse 21, for Moses of old time has, hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Okay, in other words, they were reading the Torah in the synagogues. Uh, 22, then pleased it, the apostles and elders, with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren, and they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, get this, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. All right, stop right there and think on that again. Guys, this is the scriptures. You must be circum. These guys were saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Verse 25, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Okay, check this out. That ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. So, uh, looking back at this, we have a situation 
where this group of Jews who had just recently converted to Christianity, uh, I'm sure they were great people, good believers, but they were confused on this issue. It, it's, and I rightfully so, I understand. Uh, they come from a Jewish background. They've lived their whole lives observing all the laws prescribed in the Torah. And then something just crazy shocking happens where Christ comes and dies as a perfect sacrifice. Their minds are reeling. They're confused. And, and they're like, okay, so Christ died for us. He is that sacrifice. But do we continue on following all the law of Moses or, or what? Okay, and so some of them adamantly putting their foot down are like, you must be circumcised and you must follow all the laws of Moses. And then you have these apostles, these men of God who are uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And this is not, you know, the type of indwelling of the Holy Spirit that you see in these hyper charismatic churches where they think God spoke to them. These are men who know, okay, they, they, they know God is speaking to them. They're speak, God is speaking through them. They have uh, 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 miracle signs and wonders following them everywhere. I mean, these guys, they're writing scripture. <laughs> okay. And they settle this dispute. And they say, listen, let's not put a huge burden on these Gentiles. Okay. Christ died for them. And they are now under the liberty. They're living by the spirit and not by the flesh, which is by the letter of the law. And uh, that's a little foreshadowing for some scriptures we're going to look at later, okay? And that's exactly what's going on. By the Holy Spirit, they're saying, there's no need to be circumcised. There is no need to follow all the law of Moses as prescribed in the Torah, all right? So really what legalism does, it puts an emphasis on the external to the expense or neglect of the internal, okay? It's like a sweet car that's just just pimped out, right? This amazing, <laughs> I just said that on a podcast. It's <laughs> a sweet-looking car, okay? It's, it's just all rigged up and, and, and decked out with everything. And then you open the hood, and there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Christ compares it to a cup that has been washed on the outside. It's all bright and shiny on the outside. And the inside is totally dirty and nasty. All right. Uh, a lot of these groups, they put so much emphasis on the external and they look so holy in their, in their uh, attempts to uh, follow all the law. I mean, when you see them at work, you can't help, at least I have in the past, can't help but be impressed. It's like, wow, I am a heathen. And these people are amazing super Christians. I am falling short so bad. But then I get to know them and find out their their houses are in total disarray, uh, spiritually speaking. Their kids are a mess. Their marriages are a mess. You find out that they're lying and doing various things at, in, at the job sites. And I mean, it, it, it just goes on and on. And you're going, whoa, the outside of the cup is squeaky clean, but the inside is a disaster. Okay? Th their faith many times, is completely empty, okay? So, you know, what does the Bible say about this? What was the whole point of the Old Testament law, and how does this fit in with uh, um, 
nowadays, you know, post-Christ and what he did on the cross. We're going to go through and we're going to work through all of this. So uh, turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 25 through 31, uh, and it, it goes like this. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to, decla- to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time and his at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. All right, are you seeing anything about the law just yet? Uh, no, not yet. Verse 7, where's the boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I mean, guys, I don't know how much clearer it can get. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Whoa, hey. (laughs) So we'll look at that as we continue on because that almost sounds like, wait, hold on. Are we under the law or not? Well, again, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And so as we go further here, we're going to see, we're going to learn that what Christ did is he fulfilled all of the law, all of it. Okay, and in him now we have liberty. Should we use that liberty to sin? Oh, no, no. Boom translation, heck no. Are you crazy? No. Uh, But at the same time, when we focus on all of the little details of the law, all these smaller issues, we miss the ginormous camel of the spirit of it to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, putting him first above everything else, and secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that would be the spirit of the law, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more as we go. So uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, uh, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Okay, in other words, if he was justified by works, he has something to, to, to boast about. Verse 3, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Okay, does that make sense? If you work, it's, it's not reckoned of grace. It's reckoned of, of debt. You're owed that. You earned it. But to him that works not but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Praise God. Come these blessed... Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? 
circumcision, uh, again, being a picture of the whole law, okay? Circumcision was the very first act of obedience a person can take, uh, can take part of in this life. Okay, does that make sense? I mean, your eighth day of life, if you're a boy, you have this horrific thing happen to you. You're like, wow, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little kid and you're doing this to me. That This really hurts. Um, <laughs> but it is that first outward sign of your affiliation, your association with the God of the scriptures, an outward sign uh, and your first act of obedience uh, that you end up taking in your life, right? So cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Praise God. So in other words, uh, there we have Abraham. Okay. He was uh, justified by works. No, no. He, he, he was justified by his faith. Interesting, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> So, what is the purpose of the law? Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 to 29, I think spells this out pretty well. And guys, yes, I am taking, uh, I'm not taking just the, the short little scripture snippets that you're used to. I'm giving you the extended version of these because I want you to see that this is in context. Uh, one, and two, I think that when you read it in its full context, you get to develop uh, the arguments that these uh, these uh, writers of the scriptures, being inspired of the Holy Spirit, are developing. And so Paul, author of Galatians, he says, Wherefore then serveth the law? In other words, uh, what's the point of the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, (laughs) that the promise by faith of Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, might be given to them that believe. Hold it, hold it, hold it. In other words, uh, the law shows us our utter sinfulness, okay? Uh, The scripture hath concluded that all are under sin. That's you and me. We have all broken God's law. I don't care how perfect you are. You've told lies in your lifetime. You've broken many of the Ten Commandments, if not all of them. You've stolen things. You, your works are as, your best works are like filthy rags before the Lord. And so moving on, um, the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe, verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards, afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ, 
that we might be justified by faith. So the law is compared to a schoolmaster, a school teacher, somebody uh, that points you towards the truth, teaches you about truth. Well, the law was a schoolmaster that told us, it taught us that we are utterly sinful. We are wicked people. We can never earn our way. We can't do good works to make our way into heaven. It's not going to happen. Okay? And it brings us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, moving on to verse 25, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under school under a schoolmaster, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All you Gentiles out there, praise God. Do you see what's happening here? There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. Listen, we don't have to become Jews. We don't have to start wearing Jewish clothing. We don't need to learn how to speak Hebrew. We don't need to follow all the Mosaic law. These, you know, we are saved because Christ that perfect sacrifice, he willingly died on our behalf. His blood was spilt on the mercy seat, if you will, on our behalf to save us from our sins. We are Gentiles that have been grafted in, and we are all one in Christ Jesus. So the law is a schoolmaster. It teaches us of our utter sinfulness, and we are sinners. And we are in need of a Savior. That would be Christ Jesus. Okay. So does that make sense? That is the purpose of the law. It's it, At this point, uh, post-Christ, the law is not going to save us. It's not going to um, give us a special status. It's not going to make us a, an elite class of super-Christians. Um, and no, we're not taking the mark of, of the beast for worshiping on Sundays or, um, for that matter, not eating uh, according to the dietary laws found in the Old Testament. And speaking of which, um, there's a situation in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, where Peter kind of gets caught acting the hypocrite, okay? And he gets caught up in, in kind of some funky business, okay, where uh, when, when he's with the Jews, he, uh, he, he, he observes all of the law, and, and that's fine, you know, be all things to all men so that you might win some, okay, but then he hangs out with uh, the Gentiles, and he doesn't observe the law, and, but yet um, when, when the Jews come around and see him with the Gentiles, then he changes his tune and there's this almost this hypocritical thing going on, all right? And then that's when Paul uh, uh, confronts him to his face and, and uh, rebukes him for this, this nonsense that he's taken part of. And praise God that this, this is in the scriptures. Because again, this is a big rebuke for the Gentile church that is getting caught up in this Hebrew Roots movement and uh, really laying it on heavy and hard with the legalism. 
So verse uh, 11, this is chapter 2 of Galatians. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came, notice that Paul names names here. And, uh, you know, all these Christians out there, judge not, you know. No, uh, no, judge righteously. And we are to judge righteously, especially amongst our own brethren. That's called church discipline. That's a good thing. Uh, So Paul withstood him to the face. Uh, Because he was to be blamed. Verse 12, For therefore that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Okay? Verse 13, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation, their their nonsense, if you will. Uh, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. I said unto Peter before them all. See how important this is to Paul. Uh, When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. (laughs) I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There it is again. I mean, there's a one-liner that you can't get around. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Be justified. Uh, You know, this would have been a perfect time for Paul to tell the Gentiles to continue to learn the the laws of the Torah and to heed them and to observe them. And, you know, make sure that all you Gentiles are circumcised. And oh, by the way, I know we've been getting together on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, uh, to worship God. uh, But that's not actually correct. We need to be getting back to the Sabbath Uh, And, and, oh, by the way, you guys are eating like a bunch of filthy animals. (laughs) You need to observe all of the dietary customs of the Old Testament. You know, that would have been a great time, just like Acts chapter 15 that we started with. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. No, rather, uh, Paul rebukes Peter and says, If you, being a Jew... Live after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as the do, not as do the Jews. Why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Okay, and Paul says they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. So uh, I honestly thought I would make it through all these scriptures today. Turns out there's going to be a part three because I got a ton more to look at. Uh, we we have just scratched the surface on all that the New Testament has to say on the subject. And, and no, I mean, yes, there will be a little bit of beating a dead horse on next podcast, but we're going to look at a lot of other stuff too that you're really going to need to hear about, especially if you've got friends, family, or if you yourself are caught up in this stuff. Uh, you're really going to want to hear the scriptures we're going to cover next week. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll stop right there. Friends, understand this. Okay, if you're caught up in this and you're questioning your salvation, you know, you don't measure up. 
I'm sorry. You know, you're not keeping all of the laws. I know that you're messing up on Saturday. It's just about impossible to make it through Saturday without doing some kind of work. And you live in condemnation. Understand this, you know, and we're going to, we're going to really hit this hard next week. uh, And we're going to look at a lot of specific examples. So uh, please come back for that. Okay. I hope I didn't scare you away, but uh, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Uh, you know, again, if you want to look that up and read it for yourself, that's Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. You know, and by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's uh, Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. Friends, it's by grace alone through faith alone that Christ has saved us. Uh, If you're living under condemnation, don't. Don't. We're saved by grace through faith. We don't have to do all of these things. Uh, And we're going to get into specific examples next week that prove just that. Know that there is hope, okay? If you're trusting in Christ for your salvation and and falling after him, uh, you are saved, okay? So rest in that. Uh, love the Lord and worship the Lord because he is so good and he has paid for all of your sins. So yes, we'll stop here next week. We'll hit this hard and we'll look at many more scriptures and specific situations that clearly refute uh, what's going on here. And with that, thanks for listening. This is Michael Bohm, Youth Apologetics Training. I love you guys and we'll see you next week. Say-